part of the fellowship involves getting to know those with whom you are fellowshipping. So I want to draw attention to the sample testimony sheets that are in your bulletin. One of the four words, glorifying, has under it as a heading through testimony. And each one of us has a testimony. Each one of you has a story to tell that impacts or has the potential to impact other lives. And my hope in passing this out is that each one of you, God willing, will look at this. There are two worksheets, worksheet A and B, that will help you to develop your testimony in a fashion that will abbreviate it to about a one-page story. What I would like to do is, as many of you as are willing to complete this, would be to include your testimony in the bulletin week to week so that each one of us can learn, be blessed by what God has done in the lives of those around us. But it's also a sharpening tool, something to help you to sit down, think through what God has done in your life, and develop it in a concise fashion that allows you, in the settings that God leads you into, to share your testimony with others. You know, uh, I've talked about this when we were talking about going. You know, people can debate the Bible. The Bible really doesn't need any defense. Uh, Spurgeon said, defend the Bible, I would just as soon defend a lion. Just unleash him and let him defend himself. And really the Bible does that as well. But, but the Bible can't be debate, debated. One thing that cannot be debated, though, is your testimony. It's your story, what God has done in your life. And so anyway, I just really want to exhort you to go through this, complete it, and turn it in to me, to Pat in the office, uh, so that we can then put it into the bulletin and share it with others. Allow your testimony to be a blessing to others. So, that said, I also want to call attention to the fact that next Sunday, we are going to be uber-blessed by the youth. Next Sunday is Youth Worship Sunday. So I just want to call your attention to that. We're going to be having the members of the God Squad lead our worship service. They're going to be doing the music. They're going to be doing the worship in the Word. And I suspect a surprise or two as well. So anyway, that'll be a lot of fun. After that, we are going to... Because this is the concluding message for the four words. And... Some of you, no doubt, are thinking, oh, finally. It's been a long series. We've been spending a significant amount of time examining the four words. Because really, it's not just the four words. It's really about developing, becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. The four words are simply a framework within which you can build your life as a disciple. And so we've been spending a lot of time on it because my vision for this church is that this is a church that is growing disciples and making disciples. 
That's what Jesus said we are supposed to be doing. Go into all of the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And so that's really our mission as Christians, is to become disciples and then subsequently make disciples. Someone once said, and I think this is a, a beautiful, beautiful statement, within every apple there is an orchard. And I believe it's true that in each one of your lives there is numerous people that God wants to touch. He wants to plant the seeds within you into the lives of those whom you encounter. And so that's why we're spending so much time on this. Growing, giving, glorifying, and going. The things that characterize the life of a disciple. You see, we have all been called to discipleship. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said about the call to discipleship. He said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now that doesn't sound like a very enticing call, does it? And yet, that really is our call. It's a call to die to ourselves and to allow the life of Jesus Christ to grow and to develop and to have ascendancy in everything that we do. Jesus said, he who would find his life in this world will lose it. But he who loses his life, for my sake, he will find it. You see, Jesus absolutely expected his disciples to have a life that was substantively different after they began to follow him than the lives they lived before. It wasn't simply a matter of, oh, okay, here's this Jewish rabbi. I'm going to attach to him and I'll include his teachings in my life whenever it is convenient for me to do so. But other than that, I'm sim simply going to live life as I choose. That wasn't the equation Jesus was proposing to his disciples. He wanted them to experience a new kind of life through faith in him. And that's what we're talking about this morning, the life of the disciple. And this will be in conclusion to our series on discipleship. There are three kinds of life that the Bible talks about. The first kind of life in the Greek is called bios. Of course, it's where we get our term biology, the study of life. And bios is a word that focuses on natural life. The life that we can see, observe, experience within this world. That's what bios is. And everyone has bios. All of us here this morning, everyone outside of this building has bios. They have natural life. It's the life that begins with conception and concludes with our 
physical death. But Jesus told us that bios is, is really not the kind of life that he came to give to us. In fact, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? In other words, have everything that bios has to offer. All of the money, all of the prestige, all of the position. What does it gain someone if they have all of those things? But they lose their soul. Solomon talked about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the wisest of all men, gave himself to the pursuit of bios. He denied himself nothing. He sought wisdom. He sought fleshly or carnal experience. He indulged in the the benefits that money could bring. And at the end of all of that, Solomon concluded, it's vanity. It's empty. You can gain the entire world and yet lose your soul. It is empty. That is bios. But Jesus came, John 3, 16. Scripture last night, I was watching the Ohio State-Penn State game. I didn't know they did this anymore, but there was a guy in the end zone holding up John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever should believe upon him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. So listen to what he is saying there. Should not perish. Should not die only experiencing bios, the first kind of life. Jesus came so that we might experience zoe. That's the next type of life. It says in the Bible that before we come to Christ, before we believe and trust in him, we are literally spiritually dead in our sins and our trespasses. So we have bios, but we don't have Zoe. We are living beings, but we do not have Zoe. What is Zoe? Zoe is spiritual life. It's a soul life. It's an awakening of our connection, our relationship to God. And so we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We do not have that spiritual life with God, that relationship with God that was severed in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, in the day that you eat of that, you will certainly die. And the death that they experienced wasn't bios death. They continued to live. Adam lived to be over 900 years old. But they did die in reference to their Zoe life, their connection to God spiritually. So when we're born again, when we trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and that he rose again for our regeneration, we experience Zoe once again. We experience spiritual life. And I suspect that every one of you here this morning knows what I am talking about. You have experienced Zoe. You have been born again of the Spirit. 
Something changed when you began to follow Jesus Christ. There was a difference. I recall when I first became a Christian, the, the thing that really brought it home to me was this book. Because I had taken classes in the Bible. Even as a young boy, I had read the Bible. There was something that drew me to it. And yet, I never really understood what I was reading. It was always like reading Greek. But suddenly, after I trusted Christ, I began to read the words on these pages, and something was different. Something was new. There was a hope that I experienced when I trusted in Christ that I had never experienced before. And though I did not understand it at the time, what I was experiencing was Zoe, the spiritual soul life that had once again been awakened, reborn in me because I had trusted Christ. Just as he promised, when I believed, I was baptized into the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit came into me, and I had new life. I had Zoe. And if you've been born again, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you too have Zoe. You have spiritual life. You are once again in relationship with God in the Spirit. And that's a wonderful truth. And that's true for Every person, man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever believed in Jesus Christ's gospel. But for just a moment, I want you to understand that really, that's not where it stops. Jesus never intended for us to get born again and then go right back to living our lives in the same way that we had always lived it. Jesus said that we are born again unto a living hope. So, his intention for me and for you is that you have life. This is John 10.10. That you have life. Zoe in that passage. Zoe life. But it doesn't stop there. You are to have Zoe above abundantly. And that's where the life of the disciple comes in. The word abundantly in the Greek is perisos. And it's a very, very fascinating word. It, it, it doesn't even lend itself very well to definition. It's uh, translated throughout the Bible in different ways, abundantly, exceedingly, overflowing, but literally, and I've shared this with you before about Parisos, Parisos paints a picture more than it defines a concept. Parisos paints a picture that, that one scholar describes as placing a Dixie cup under the Niagara Falls. Now imagine that. Imagine what that would be like. That Dixie cup would not only be filled pretty quickly, but it would be overflowing rapidly and constantly overflowing. This is the third kind of life, and this is the life of the disciple, the person who has purposed 
to follow after Jesus and who understands the concept that the call to discipleship is a, a call to death. Perisos zoe, abundant life, the life of the disciple, is something that is meant to be constantly rejuvenated, constantly overflowing, constantly spreading itself out. Just as the Niagara Falls never stops overflowing the cliff as it constantly fills the bay there, so too our lives with Perisos zoe are to be doing that. So what does it mean then to have Pariso Zoe? What's the difference between Zoe life, the spiritual life that we receive when we are born again, and Pariso's Zoe? Well, the distinction lies in yieldedness. The distinction between the two lies in yieldedness. Paul the Apostle said, that we are to offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual service of worship. That is to say that every moment of our lives, everything that we do in our thought life, in our physical life, in our spiritual life, is meant to be submitted to, yielded to, God's will. Now that's an overwhelming thought, really. If, and, and, if, and if we're existing more on the level of bios or, or just an introductory Zoe level, it is overwhelming. So what I want to say to you is you begin to experience perisos Zoe, the abundant life, when you have a prioritized yieldedness that is fueled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you understand that there are things in this life that we are to focus upon as disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, your life is supposed to look different than it did before. You're not supposed to. Now, I, I'm sorry if I offend anybody here, but this is true. You're not supposed to be as intrigued by, as interested in all of the things that intrigued you and interested you before as you are after receiving Zoe, after receiving spiritual life. There is a, a refocus that occurs because when you have just bios, like everybody in the world has, your focus, your attention if you're anything at all like me, and I suspect a lot of you are, your focus is on yourself. What's in it for me? How can my life be the most that I can make it? You know, you've only go around once in life. This is really going to date me. So go for the gusto. Okay, how many of you remember that advertisement from the 70s? Okay, actually, quite a few of you. That's bios. You only go around once, go for the gusto. But when we're born again, when we receive Zoe, we should refocus. And as we refocus, and as our focus is fueled by the Holy Spirit that is within us, 
we begin to experience exactly what Jesus intended for us to experience. Now, that abundant life, and this is a concept that is difficult sometimes to grasp, and the church struggles with it constantly. But that abundant life can look vastly different for each of us. What about Dietrich Bonhoeffer? I mentioned him earlier, the one who said that the call to discipleship is a call to come and die. He was a renowned theologian in Nazi Germany. When the Nazis first came in, he, like most of the Germans, went with the flow. But he began to see what the the Nazi regime was all about and what their purpose was. And he saw that ultimately it ran counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Bonhoeffer, along with many other uh, German and other underground people, began to oppose the Nazi regime. And ultimately, Dietrich Bonhoeffer ended up in a Nazi prison camp and was hung for his activity in opposing Nazism. Now, is that the abundant life? I submit to you that it is. I submit to you that it is because he was yielding his life. He was prioritizing what he was following after to align with where Jesus was leading him. And here's the difficult part. And I want, I, I want you to, to chew on this. Because sometimes we come into church and we think that we have to be healthy, wealthy, and wise in order to experience abundant life. And that's not true. Solomon was healthy, wealthy, and wise. And he, ultimately he said emptiness, emptiness. It's all emptiness. The abundant life Again, it's all about prioritized yieldedness, yieldedness to God, living sacrifice, fueled by the Holy Spirit. And where you are at, what your experience is, is so uniquely different than what mine is. You can reach people. You can be an example through your life in ways that I will never be an example And so each one of us is unique. That's the wonderful truth of this gospel, is God is able to take our lives uniquely and make them abundant as he intended. So we need to be very careful, church, to not look at anyone else's life and say, well, they're not really living the abundant life. They're struggling financially. How can they be living the abundant life? with all of the difficulties that they are experiencing. That's not the gauge. The gauge to abundant life is yieldedness to God's will. That's the life of the disciple. And that's the life to which each of us is called. And it is the life that Jesus promised we would gain when we lay down our own lives. So this is a challenge to each one of us. It's nothing easy about being a disciple 
But there's a lot that is fulfilling about being a disciple. And there is a reward that comes from experiencing parisos zoe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a passage of Scripture that the apostle uh, talks about, and it's referring to the judgment seat of Christ. And he talks about people who have been born again, people who are uh, recipients of Zoe, coming before the, the judgment seat of Christ. But all of their works are burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. And, and the apostle says, they still are saved, yet so as through fire. But they will experience a loss of reward. But then there's another group that stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, whose works are evaluated. And Jesus says, gold, silver, and precious stones, these have endured the fire because these works were done in prioritized yieldedness to me. And they will receive reward. So there, you can be saved with Zoe, experience spiritual life, and that's wonderful and good, but that's not the end of the game. Getting saved is not the final chapter in the story. It's a lifetime of discipleship that leads us into parisos, Zoe, or the abundant life, our vision statement for this church. And that comes through a daily, a moment-by-moment yieldedness to God. You know, I've been a Christian for 34 years, and I've experienced many highs and many lows as a Christian. There have been times where I felt like God was sitting right next to me. I was so in communion with him and understood his will for me. And then there were other times that I was angry at God. I didn't understand what was going on. The loss of my mother-in-law and my mother were times like that. My mother-in-law died of lupus after a 15-year battle, and my mother died of dementia after a 12-year battle. And there were times during that when I saw these women, strong women, godly women, being humbled to a point of infantilism where they had others having to change their diapers. What's this this about, God? What's going on? Why are you allowing this? So I am not one to say that the pathway to the abundant life is all about a growing understanding and uh, uh, on top of every circumstance experience. That's not really what it's about. But it is about growing, and sometimes growing involves pain. It is about giving, and sometimes giving involves sacrifice. It is about glorifying, and sometimes glorifying means to raise up God even though we don't fully understand what is happening in our lives. And finally, it's about going and sharing with others all of the things that God has done for us. So, in your bulletins, you will also find a survey. Each year, the church does a survey. It's incorporated into our Constitution. And this is a survey uh, this year that I came up with that was spe- I specifically designed to help each one of us evaluate where we are on the pathway from Zoe to Parisos Zoe. And all of us are somewhere in here. There's uh, 
16 questions in here, um, 12 of which are specifically designed to help you evaluate where your spiritual life, your Zoe life, is right now. And here's what I want to say to you is please be honest as you complete this and turn it in. Perhaps you're over here not at all and being impacted spiritually. And it's really not about me impacting you. It's about the Holy Spirit impacting you and, again, your yieldedness to the Holy Spirit's influence. But wherever you are on the spectrum, please complete this. It's going to help you specifically to understand where you're at. It's going to help us as a congregation to perceive and appreciate where we are corporately and where we need to go, what we need to focus on. So the life of the disciple, the life that Jesus has breathed into each one of us, it's something that we ought to value very highly. It's something that we need to understand is uh, difficult to understand. And finally, it's something that I, I absolutely want you to, to, to hear this. It's something that will lead you to be able to stand before the, the judgment seat of Christ. And as he is evaluating your life, I want you to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of your word and the call to discipleship. I pray for myself. I pray for each and every soul here this morning, every person that is hearing my voice on the radio, Lord God, that each of us who have received the call would continue in it, that we would, as as the apostle said in Philippians 3, that we would press on to the high calling whereunto we have been called, that we would walk worthy of the calling that we have been called unto. Lord, you said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I command you? Change our heart, O God. Make it ever true. Help each one of us to walk in sweet fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.